exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. In the next hour, we'll guide you through Spartan Sports, your favorite Detroit teams, and beyond. Call in with your thoughts at 517-432-3893. And now, let's kick off another hour of Sports Talk. Welcome back into the Spartan Sports Wrap. It is Monday night. It is Impact 89 FM, and we thank you for joining us on this Monday night. Hope everyone had a great weekend and a great week as well ahead of us on the Spartan Sports Wrap tonight. Special guest, John the Latin Assassin Vargas. He is my neighbor, but he knows a little something about sports as well. So before we even kick it off, I'd like to welcome in John Vargas. What's going on? What's up, people? How's it going? It's fantastic, man. And as always, across from me, the man from day one, he is my co-host. I don't know what I'm going to do without him when he takes that internship in Boise, Idaho. <laughs> His name is Dewan Simmons, and he hails from Detroit City. <laughs> What's up, Dad? And uh, the beauty of the studio, as always, she sits across from me so I can look at her the whole show. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> my good friend, Brigitte, what is going on? Not too much. Just an exciting day in sports. Michigan Wolverines get the best of us. Very disappointing game. I was hoping to go into Chrysler Arena and come out with the win, but that did not happen. If you're just joining us, this is the best of the Spartan Sports Rap. Phones will not be open tonight, but we thank you for joining us and stay tuned. If you like what you hear and you'd like to hear more, our website is www.impact89fm.com. You can click on podcasts, check out our archives. Past few months are up, as is every week we update the website and appreciate those good guys who do that for us at the Impact. But to get things started, Alyssa DeHaan named Big Ten Freshman of the Year. That was no surprise, but she did struggle in the latter parts of the regular season, but turned it on against Ohio State at Columbus. So I think that game really pushed her over the top. But Alyssa DeHaan, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, what will her legacy be here at Michigan State? I think it would be one of dominance. I don't see why not. She's so far the best player that we had in the last 15 to 20 years in the women's program. She's definitely the face and a force down low, so she should definitely help out with recruiting. And, and I see her building, you know, her and Coach P actually doing some great things in the near future. Brigitte, Alyssa DeHaan, does she have the capabilities of being an All-American in the next few years here at Michigan State? Of course. I mean, I would compare to like Shaquille O'Neal of the NBA. She's got that tall height. Um, definitely good things coming. She is a freshman, so she's still, you know, trying to get her game and everything. But of course, she'll definitely be a legacy here. If you're just tuning in, this is the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're on every Monday night on Impact 89 FM. I'm your host Dan Duggar in the hot seat. You like what I have to say? You don't like what I have to say? Usually the phones are open, but tonight this is the best of the Spartan Sports Wrap. So the phones are off. But I appreciate my man behind the glass handling all the business tonight. But to stick with the topic, Alyssa DeHaan obviously has the size. I'm sure Coach Joanne P. McCauley is working on the weight issue, getting her stronger. But she seems to play with an attitude on the court, obviously. I mean, she's pushing girls around the block. I was very surprised. Coming into Big Ten, I really thought that Alyssa DeHaan was going to get pushed around. Yeah, I did. I saw her in the summertime. She's, she's, she's a thin young lady, so... I, I feared that down low she might struggle a little bit, but she proved to be the complete opposite. She's going to break the you know the blocks record pretty soon these next couple games, so I see nothing but a strong upside for her. Absolutely. As a freshman coming into the Big Ten, um, transforming to a new system, playing a lot of zone defense for Coach Joanne P. McCauley over there at the Breslin. She, but she's averaging over 12 points a game and 7.5 and rebounds. As a freshman in the Big Ten, I don't care men's or women's basketball, that is very Impressive. She's almost the team's leading scorer. If Victoria Lucas Perry didn't pull the trigger as often as she did on the court, I think I think Alyssa DeHaan. She has what impresses me most about her game is the way she has such a touch around the basket. She makes her free throws. She's got a nice ten to fifteen footer outside. But what worries me most is that you have to put some size on her and injuries. Uh, she had that early ankle injury coming into the year. But you put some weight on this on this woman, and, and she continues to develop, as I'm sure good coaches, as Joanne P. is, will develop her and make her into an all-star, all-American. I see a bright future in the WNBA for Alyssa DeHaan, but congratulations to her as the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. So her legacy, obviously, I'm hoping and I'm seeing that her she will be an all-American. 
Yeah, that should be the first of many awards to come for her. She's extremely efficient. That's the key at, at such a young age. She doesn't take many shots or too many bad shots to get the points that she needs. So she's highly effective. I don't see her doing anything but getting better. She's going to get stronger, more experienced. A lot of people forget, you know, due to her size and things, that she is a freshman. She's only 17, 18 years old. So, you know, she's going to grow, mature, strengthen up, and get stronger. So I don't see how she couldn't, you know, progress. We would have Alyssa DeHaan on the show for you, but because of Michigan State sports information policy, they tend to keep freshmen on the quiet side of things. I've requested it. Talk to my boss over in Sports Info. But soon enough, I'm sure we will have Alyssa DeHaan on the show. But will Alyssa DeHaan leave Michigan State with a national championship ring? Now, that's a good question. Um, I actually want to say yes. You know, I like to see the Spartans do well, and I don't see why not. In the next, by her junior year, you know, I see her getting at least 20 and 10 a night at a minimum. Uh, and they're going to do great things for recruiting. I know they had a couple good prospects lined up. So I, I, don't, I don't see why they wouldn't bring one to the crib. Yeah, they also should, just because with their record right now, and they do have a couple seniors leaving, but with Alyssa DeHaan playing the way that she is, and with her being able to develop her game in the future, she should definitely be able to um, get a ring because... Coach P definitely knows how to take a team to the championship like she did a couple years ago. So they definitely have all the tools. They just got to make sure they know how to work them. That's true. Coach P has done this before, has taken the team to the championship game. But actually, um, what Alyssa DeHaan reminds me of, I haven't seen too much of her. So, But what I have seen of her, she kind of reminds me of former Detroit Shock center Ruth Riley, just kind of real slim. And I see her possibly if she adds some more muscle. And she's only 18, so I expect her to add more muscle and more weight and uh, being that type of player down the line in the WNBA. Yeah, not to knock on her being thin. We've seen thin players in both the NBA and the WNBA be successful. Look at Tayshawn Prince. He's 200 pounds soaking wet, but he is still getting it done. He was, what, an all-star one time? Mm-hmm. But all, he's going to be an all-star. He's, I see him as a franchise player somewhere. Hopefully in Detroit, but somewhere he will establish himself as the franchise player, I would say. But Alyssa DeHaan, back to her efficiency, Juan. You said she is so efficient, shoots over 50% from the floor, and as a six foot nine woman, shooting more than 75% from the free throw line. When you're in, I don't care if the WNBA only makes a tenth of what NBA players make. When you're a WNBA scout and you look at Alyssa DeHaan and you say, this is a, a young lady who can make more than three-fourths of her free throws. A lady that can knock it down from 10 to 15 feet, and she's six foot nine with a reach, and she's going to grow and add weight. Uh, I think the sky is the limit for Alyssa DeHaan. But here's the one for you, a little novelty one. Will Alyssa DeHaan dunk in a game before she leaves Michigan State? I have to say yes, just to the fact that she's going to get so many shots. I mean, if she stays for all four years, which I'm assuming she is, she's going to play another 80 to 90 games as a Spartan. I see at least one breakaway you know, somewhere doing those 80 or 90 games, so she'll get a chance to put one down. Yeah, we were disappointed when College Game Day was in town. She could not put it down, but hopefully in the near future we will see it. Hey, we still have a Big Ten tournament left and an NCAA tournament, which I'm sure the ladies will be seeded pretty well. I'm saying a seed around five plus or minus two. Mm-hmm. Five to, I'd say five to seven, no, no lower than a three seed. Unless we win the Big Ten tournament, right? Unless but, you win out. But but as as a coach and and as an avid basketball fan, think think about the situation. Do you really want? A, I don't care if it's men's or women's. Do you really want your team in the in the whole storyline of it? Do you want your team to win that Big Ten title in the in the tournament and be spent for the double NCAA tournament possibly, and then just kind of spend all that emotion? We saw that happen to Syracuse in the men's tournament last year. They have the dramatic Jerry McNamara story coming out, hitting three ball upon three ball, and Syracuse wins the Big East tournament, but then just drops in the opening round of the tournament. So do you see that being a detriment to Michigan State basketball, both men and women? Well, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, you can look at it from both aspects. There are teams who spend a lot of energy and a lot of motion coming from, you know, the middle of the conference and and playing well and, and winning the conference championship and then like you said for Syracuse going to the big dance in the tournament and and not performing you know fail immediately then you have teams that come out and and take advantage of the situation and get the higher seed by winning out and you know get to play some of the some of the weaker teams you know come tournament time and really take advantage of it and, and get a chance to coast and rest some injuries and only have to play a couple tough games I think more so in football winning your championship I think more so in football, winning your championship game is important It's for BCS implications. But in college basketball, men or women, 
Um, it's really you tire yourself out before you even get to the dance, let alone the big dance. So... If you're just joining us, special guest in the studio tonight, his name is John Vargas. He is my neighbor. He knows a little bit about sports as well, a journalism major here at Michigan State. Across from me, as always, Brigitte and Dewan. Uh, the Rook has been MIA as of late, so his job I didn't know. But he's a good kid. Got to love the Rook. So uh, the Ra- Ra- Rachel's been gone for some time. Who knows where she is? But the usual crew is in the basement tonight. This is the Michigan State Spartan Sports Rep. We're on every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. If you'd like to check us out online, it's www.impact89fm.com. Brigitte, as a female sports broadcaster, you have to take some pride in the way Alyssa DeHaan is playing and the media attention that she Mm -hmm. is garnering. I do. It's great to see that women's basketball is becoming a lot more popular. It's good to see that guys are actually taking an interest in watching it, too. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, guys' games are a little bit more fast-paced. They're a little bit more exciting. However, you know, the girls work just as hard. They deserve just as much credit. I would love to see more of their games televised, but it might be a little bit of a while before we get to see that happen more frequently. We had Maya Johnson on the show a couple weeks ago, Michigan Mm -hmm. State guard. She said that the women's basketball team is more skilled than the men's basketball team. Do you agree with that? I could agree with that right now just because they do have the leadership from a couple of the seniors. I mean, that it goes either way, though. But, I mean, Michigan State men's team, they're working with a lot of new players that they haven't had. A lot of the people are learning the game, how you play in the Big Ten and everything. But um, I guess just... Kind of goes either way. Juan, your thoughts? Uh, actually, you know what? That's a that's a good possibility. The women's team might actually more be more skilled. You know, especially this year. You know, they're down a little bit, so I don't know. But it's always a toss up. Normally, if you have like a skills competition, tradition shows that the women do normally win. You know, the three point contest, free throw contest, things of that nature. It's just the athleticism of the men's game that really you know separates it. But when it comes down to the dunk competition. Well, there's no question. Oh, but uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> hey, we'll give the title to Candace Parker. Parker yeah. she, she puts one of those weak, I laid yeah. it above the rim kind of. Uh, but moving on to men's basketball, congratulations, Alyssa DeHaan, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, as the ladies will be marching into March as a member of the NCAA tournament. After losing to Michigan, are our tournament hopes now shaky on the back onto the bubble? I think people are kind of worrying a little too much about this. I think we cemented it with one of the finest weeks in Spartan basketball regular season history against Indiana, and then prior to that, the win against Wisconsin. So I think people are just quick to jump the gun and say, oh, loose by 11 at Chrysler Arena. That is really going to put you guys on the bubble to a Michigan team that is subpar. But are we on the bubble now, Juan? Uh, I don't really think we're on the bubble. You know, I don't think the Heat's really on. There's some teams that's really bubble teams. You know, I think we have a little less to worry about. We played a harder schedule than most, you know. That that's really going to factor in. And, you know, the committee really takes into consideration the last 10 games. And I think the Spartans were either in or, or won the last 10, you know. They weren't really getting ran out the gym, i.e. Florida right now or anything like that. So, you know, they're playing solid. They're playing consistent. I mean, they are a young team, do have tradition on our side. Normally, the committee tends to lean toward universities who continue to put high-level competition out there, you know, as as a look at the bubble teams. But I think that win over Wisconsin and the fact that Texas is coming on strong, they played Boston College real well in Boston College, at Boston College, rather, you know, at the beginning of the year, they're coming on strong. So the only damaging losses is the one to Iowa they let slip away, you know. So I, I don't see how they couldn't get in the tournament unless they just absolutely fell apart in the Big Ten and somebody else made a serious push like Illinois. If Illinois actually won out, you know, it might be more pressure on because I don't see them putting more than four or five teams from the Big Ten in. So it might it might get a little a little tough. More than us being on the bubble right now, I would say the competition is probably between Michigan, Iowa, and Purdue. They're probably fighting more for that spot than we are. Because we have had a harder schedule and everything, I do think the committee will take that into consideration. Uh, the Big Ten's just like a mess right now in the middle. Everybody's fighting for that one spot. But because we have beat ranked opponents, I think that'll weigh more heavily on our favor. Yeah, speaking of ranked opponents, the Texas win was good. The Wisconsin win was good. Um, we played Boston College tough at Boston College during the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And I'm looking here, the Spartans' strength of schedule is 11. And even though they didn't play like in previous years where they would have played Duke or other harder, more known teams, uh, their strength of schedule being 11. And with the record they have at 21-9 and nine right now, 
um, it's really hard to not put them into the tournament, I would think. Absolutely, but then you get the argument. The Michigan Wolverines currently at 20-10, and 8-7 in the Big Ten. Are the Michigan Wolverines making a case for themselves, and are they in the tournament? Or if they are not, what do they have to do to get into the NCAA tournament? I think it's really going to come down for those last couple of spots with Purdue, Michigan. Hey, okay, if you just want to put everybody into it, Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue, and uh, who's left? Illinois. Well, Illinois. If you put all of them in there and you're just going to say, okay, we're going to take three out of that five, I think it's really going to come down to how they perform in, in the Big Ten tournament. I know I got a chance to look at some of the draws for the tournament, and I'm pretty sure Michigan State has Penn State. Uh, in the opening round, so that should be an easy win for us. But I think that second round, when you get back to those matchups again, if Michigan come, Michigan plays Purdue, I believe, if, if both of those teams win. So depending on how that shakes out and if one of those fluke teams comes out, like Iowa, if they just pull it together and Haluska goes crazy and they actually went out and win the, win the whole tournament, I mean, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the committee to, to knock a team like that who – you know, because you're talking about one or two losses here, and some of those losses were bad losses in the beginning of the year. So it's going to be hard for the for the committee to actually pull that together. For Michigan to get into the NCAA tournament, I think it is going to take a miracle. And I think when it's all said and done, Tommy Amaker will be canned, and my first candidate for head coach at the University of Michigan will be Rudy Tomjanovich, former Michigan alumni, and he's got some NBA rings. He could bring some swagger to that program, some class. Yes, some class is needed in that program <laughs> after all the problems they've had, and they say East Lansing needs class. No, I believe the class of 0-0 brought the, class, the, the true class to college basketball. That would be a national championship. When was the last time Michigan won? In, and we won't even get started on that. But Drew Sharp, Detroit Free Press, says, MSU lost nothing by losing to University of Michigan and the University of Michigan won nothing in this game. Do you agree with Drew Sharp? No, I disagree with that. I think Michigan definitely won something. If nothing else, just bragging rights that they split the series, you know, if nothing else with, with State. But I think they really picked up momentum. Uh, Dion came on strong for them, Dion Harris. They, they was actually out and running the court. And I think this Ohio State game that they have coming up is a huge game for them. Because if they play Ohio State tough and actually win that game, I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on the committee to, to knock them as, as knocking off the number one number one seed. All this talk about Deion Harris, yes, he had a out-of-body experience by playing well against the Spartans. Um, coming off of scoring three points at Illinois, you know, all this talk about Deion Harris, Deion Harris, Deion Harris. Yes, he's good, but is he up to par with Drew Neitzel? Um... You know, it's splitting hairs. I, I like Dion. I like the things he could do, his creativity. Um, but what it really comes down to is consistency. And he's he's inconsistent. He's not as consistent as Drew. So if you have to pick a person, if I had to pick one person, I would lean toward consistency. So that would be Drew Neitzel, not yes, Raymar Mor Morgan? I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, Raymar, Raymar Morgan is your boy. I don't know. You know, that's that's cool. He's a great player. I think he's going to be tremendous. And I'm not sure if he'll be around here all four years. But the, the future will tell his story. So with Michigan's win over Michigan State on, on Tuesday night and the win last year in Ann Arbor, although albeit by some extracurricular whistles, mm -hmm. you know, has this become a rivalry, really? I think it is. I think it's stepping back into a rivalry. I mean, the Michigan-Michigan State is starting to fall back burner, you know, as far as rivalries go because in, in football, you know, it's lopsided traditionally speaking with Michigan winning and, and basketball is traditionally lopsided with, with us winning here at State. So I think it's good that they're actually back competing, playing hard. It, it's bringing it back to what it should be. Um, I think that actually it's probably not that big of a rivalry because I could think of more teams that I would rather watch play because usually you think it's just going to be a blowout, which it was when they came to the Breslin. I was actually very shocked, yes, um, when, it, when we lost. But... Um, I mean, I think I'd like to watch a couple other teams play more than U of M. But. Uh, I have an interesting perspective. I'm a former University of Michigan employee, so I do, get to, I do get to know some of the alumni, and I have had discussions with a lot of people down there. And as we've been talking, yes, uh, it's still in, in Ann Arbor, it's a rivalry. And I think even here it's a rivalry. Um, I believe down in Ann Arbor, they know they're not better 
than MSU in basketball. And um, down up here, um, yeah, up here, you know, I think MSU knows that they're a little behind in football. And, you know, I think each school needs to quit comparing each other to the other. And I think eventually that one day Michigan State, their football team will go up, you know, better, improving Michigan's football, uh, basketball team will improve. Well, when you look at the history of these two teams going head-to-head, you look at the last 19 times we've played each other. Michigan State has won 16 of those 19 times, let's see, over the span of 10 years. Right. You okay. Know. That's, that's, that's pure domination. Yeah. Okay. Not to mention when we hung over 100 points on their heads when Mateen Cleaves went off for a Big Ten and MSU record 20 assists. Just an embarrassment. I do not think the comparison that what, what is better, Michigan State basketball compared to U of M basketball or U of M football to you know Michigan football so or Michigan State football. Pardon me, but when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, I would rather root for Michigan State basketball than uh, Michigan football. They've seemed to fail them in years past. Yeah, they they seem to drop the ball in the big game, but I don't know. I think there's some better rivalries out there that you can't find. You know. I don't know so much as well. You can find them in state, but not the univer the main uh, state university against the opposing state university. Like I think the North Carolina Duke is a better basketball game, traditionally speaking, than than the Michigan Michigan State, you know, or even the Michigan Ohio State football game is better traditionally than than the Michigan you know Michigan State football game, but. All in all, it's still a good rivalry, if not for the for the players, and it doesn't normally carry much weight as the game, but for the fans, you know, it, it gives the fans, the student body, a chance to really get active and get after the other team. So if nothing else, it incorporates and, and makes the whole community better here. Hey, you're listening to Dan Duggar on the best of the Spartan Sports Wrap. We hope you stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. We'll, we'll be back. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Impact Exposure on Impact 89 FM. More importantly, you are tuned in to the Spartan Sports Wrap because it is Monday night at 7 p.m. I'm your host, Dan Duggar. I'm here every week at 7 p.m. until 8 p.m. And, and maybe one day I'll get an extra hour. Maybe. I doubt it. <laughs> but but we're in the house. Juan's here, Bajit, and special guest John Vargas, Michigan State journalism student trying to get up in the sports world. What is going on? The Latin assassin, John Vargas. Dan, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I don't know what to do. This guy, he uh, he's like a military recruiter, man. He, he's on it. He's on it. If Dan calls you, he's going to be calling you. So just be ready. <laughs> you heard it from the man. John Vargas is in the house tonight. But the phones are not open, contrary to what the introduction said. Uh, this is the best of the Spartan Sports Wrap, so uh, please stay tuned as we break down Michigan State men's and women's basketball, along with the 2007 football schedule and a little NBA talk. Yes, we try to stay out of the pro waters, but sometimes we just got to dive in. But we will dive into the tournament. Our RPI is 21. Our strength of schedule is 13. Our record, 21-9, and 8-7 in the Big Ten. That is not playing teams like Minnesota, Penn State, and uh, give me another bottom feeder of the Big Ten. Uh, Minnesota, Penn State, Northwestern. and Northwestern. Not playing those teams twice um, as other schools get to play them twice. We have a solid Big Ten record. How can you not keep us out of the NCAA tournament? Juan, what is the scenario that Michigan State does not get into the NCAA tournament? Is it if we lose 
um, in all in the Big Ten tournament opening round, right right well, home to a team like Penn State. For them not to get in, I'll just have to run with the worst possible scenario, which would be they drop the next uh, game and you know come out and and just perform perform horribly, not just lose, but also perform horribly in the opening round against Penn State. If they if they get blew out uh, against Wisconsin and then come back and lose to Penn State by fifteen ten points, you know. It might be it might be shaky, especially if you get a team like Michigan who who wins the whole the whole thing. You know, it would take a lot of pressure off Michigan State if if one of the powerhouses, you know, Wisconsin or Ohio State, one of the teams who are getting in regardless on a one or two line, you know, win out and just make it a lot easier instead of trying to fit them at, as an at large bid. Absolutely, six wins against teams ranked in the top fifty. Three of those against teams in the top twenty five. Digger Phelps and Jay Billis say Michigan State is in. Can't argue with those guys. Great guys. Got to meet them at college game day, you know. Great guys. They have a love for, for Michigan State, despite being from UCLA and Duke, respectively. But, you know, we'll let it slide. Um, what if we, what if we lose in the in – the, so we lose in the first round of the Big Ten, but say a team like Indiana, Ohio State, or Wisconsin wins the wins the Big Ten tournament, you think we're in safe shape? Um. Actually, yeah. If if one of those top dogs win, I I say we're pretty safe because if the Big Ten is gonna gonna squeeze in minimum four teams, prefer, preferably five teams, if they get lucky, six out of the conference. So if if Ohio State and Wisconsin, you know, both both lose the tournament, if neither one of them win, that's two of the at large spots that's gone right there because you know they have to get in. So somebody else is gonna win, you know, out. So that puts three teams in out of out of the possible, you know, four or five. So it puts it puts a lot of pressure on and makes the decision a lot tougher. Moving forward, speaking of men's basketball and accolades, yes, Alyssa DeHaan has been named Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Congratulations, sir. I'm sure there'll be more first team all Big Tens and all Americans and hopefully some rings to go along with those awards. But Drew Neitzel has been named the first team all district eleven by the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Very deserving, I would say so. Um, despite a poor performance at Michigan, I think if Drew Neitzel did not have the flu at Michigan, went off for about 20, got a win, um, you know, performed well in his last few games, I think Drew Neitzel could have been really close to being to being named Big Ten Player of the Year. I wouldn't have been wouldn't be surprised to see a co-player of the year, uh, but with that poor performance, you know, it's not like he played badly. It's just the circumstance of the game. If he could have been healthy. Played a solid game. I think his 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 hat would have been in the, in that ring because he plays so well on the road. Regardless of what arena he's in, Drew Neitzel will fill it up, and I just hope he gets back to to tip top shape and ready and ready for the NCAA tournament. But joining, tell me if some of these people I mentioned here do not belong on the All District Eleven team. Um, this is this is player selected by National Association of Basketball Coaches, so it's not just the unqualified media like me picking people. Okay, Wisconsin's Alondo Tucker, that's a given. Uh, Marquette's Dominique James, Southern Illinois' Jamal Tatum. You say Southern Illinois? What? Yeah, they happen to be ranked in the top fifteen. And Loyola, Loyola Chicago's Blake Shilb. Loyola Chicago? I never heard of. Ah, uh, I don't get that one. <laughs> I don't get that one. It's but, a good school, Dan. It's a good school. <laughs> yeah, great. Michigan State is a great school. Neitzel leads Michigan State in scoring, obviously, 18.2 points a game. He, that puts him at fourth in the Big Ten, also leading the conference, as we have talked about, free throws, three-point field goals made, and percentage amongst people who have made multiple. Uh, adequate amount. Yeah, we're not talking about people who have who got for one. garbage time and went one for one or two for two. Are you kidding me? Then Brandon Darton would be the man right now. But uh, – also, minutes played. He's second in minutes played. Thirty-five over thirty-five minutes played a game, and that's uh, after he played a, a, I believe, a season low against Michigan, playing just twenty-nine minutes. That is uncharacteristic. See, number eleven under thirty minutes a game, but the way he's distributing the ball, uh, fifth in the Big Ten in assists, and the way he's just taken on the role of being a scoring guard, I think he's finally getting recognized for it. And um, he was the National Player of the Week even by Andy Katz on February twenty-fourth. So Michigan State is, is starting to get some recognition in what was labeled as a rebuilding year, a team that was you know, supposed to rebuild. But what is the biggest surprise of this year? Who would you say is, is most improved player besides Drew Neitzel? Uh, I'm going to have to take Travis, Travis Walton. You know, his ball handling ability is, is really, you know, controlling the game and, and keeping them in there. And then his defense on the perimeter, he's the best on-ball perimeter defender that we have. So 
he really helps in, in funneling guys. And if you watch his footwork, he's terrific at angling guys to the baseline and, and cutting away some of those passing lanes. So that really takes a lot of pressure off a lot of big men and keep them out of foul trouble. Neitzel didn't start that game at Michigan. That was a span of 77 games that Drew Neitzel was on a streak of starting since February 1st of 2005. Wow. So that, that you know, he's somewhat of an Iron Man, I'd have to say. Put him up there with Brett Favre <laughs> of the Green Bay Packers. But hopefully more accolades to come for number 11. Brigitte, who's your most improved player besides Drew Knights on Travis Wall? Um, I'll take Goran Sutan just because as a interior post player, he's been doing a lot better with rebounding. Uh, aside from taking a couple last-minute shots yesterday in the game, those couple 18-footers or whatever, um, I like the way he's been shooting the ball. He, you can get a couple good shots out of him from about 18 feet. Um, he's doing well on his free throws, which are critical. Michigan State is doing a lot better on that. I mean, I would take him after being, um, I guess, back up to Paul Davis, who you don't get very much playing time when you have such a good center on your team. Uh, he's come out and played really well this year. I've been pretty impressed with that. Although I ask you a question, I'm going to ask a different question to myself. Travis Walton is the most improved player. I've got <laughs> well, to, I, obviously, I, I, I had to put you on the spot. Try I had to, and keep it interesting. I wanted, I wanted you to demonstrate your, journal, your sports journalistic skills on the air. <laughs> for, for, but I'm taking Travis Walton. The, the guy did not even look at the basket last year. This year he's jabbing, sweeping, and going up with the left hand, let alone the right hand. Uh, we've seen him hit trays from NBA range, not to mention a nice pull-up jumper in the lane. One person that I'm disappointed with, although he's been playing good defense as of late, is Drew Namick. I really put the pressure on Drew Namick to be my guy. I said, this is the X factor for this team this year. And during that span of the four-game winning streak, yes, he was. He was locking up the, the, the pivotal big men that we were going up against and doing well at that. But then it seems he gets shook. He gets dunked on by Brent Petway. Uh, if, if there could have been another player on that team, I would have chose anybody to, to dunk on us. But why, does it, why did it have to be Brent Petway? Air Georgia. Are you kidding me? But... At the same time, you have to be impressed with Travis Walton, and he's got two years ahead of him as well. Do you see Travis Walton in the NBA at some time? Wow. If he could actually get the scoring end of his of his game together and, and start attacking the rim, I say yes because he has he's not the biggest guy, but at 6'1", six, six, you know, he could be a small point guard and, and defend. So, I mean, it, it is possible, but his, his shooting ability will have to definitely increase because he will have to be able to shoot the long-range ball. By the wow in your voice at the beginning of that question, I'd have to say that, you you know, it's borderline for T1. But but Drew Neitzel, a lot of talk. I keep seeing Drew Neitzel rise up draft boards after after a senior year. I see him going in the early second round in some mock drafts, and I can't argue with that as he continues to get bigger and continues to get to get stronger and refines his game. We already know he can go both ways, and Matt Trannon plays football as well. But, you know, every sportscaster seems to add that in. Drew Neitzel, he's ambidextrous. Okay, we know. But uh, Drew Neitzel, NBA player one day. NBA star, NBA sub, bench warmer, what do you see him as? Uh, NBA bench warmer, NBA sub. I see him as, you know, probably the sixth, seventh man coming a in. A solid backup point guard? Yeah, a solid backup point guard. You know, come in, handle the ball, distribute, run the offense, leave them open, throw, some, throw up some threes, you know. Typical typical backup. Hey, any any player that is uh, amongst the top three, four of scoring in the Big Ten, you, they's got, they've got a pretty good shot of making yeah. some noise somewhere, whether it be Europe, there's money to, me, to be made there as well, or the NBA, hopefully. But Neitzel definitely has a dream of making it to the NBA. But at, before we take a quick break, I'd just like to update you. We are now podcasting our shows at www.impact89fm.com. Just click on the podcast symbol and click on the archives of the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're updated weekly because of our great guys that work in the, the telecommunications sector of WDBM East Lansing. That is the Impact. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Impact Exposure. We're on every Monday night. We are the Spartan Sports Rep. I'm your host, Dan Duggar, in the hot seat every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. until they give me an extra hour. Hey, but that's uh, we've all got dreams here. And, and Juan's dream is that the football season may have some success before we graduate, since you only have, what, nine credits left before yeah. you graduate? You're on that, ex- like we said, accelerated four-year plan. Unbelievable. Yeah. Kid out of Detroit, living the dream out here. <laughs> Juan Simmons. But hey, not, not, to, not to mention, what a quite, we have quite the diverse panel here tonight. John Vargas, the Latino in the house, the Latin assassin, as he calls himself. Brigitte, the Armenian beauty. And Juan, straight out of the D, stereotypical black man in here with the huge, extra, extra large black t shirt, you know, the beautiful shoes. You know, can't, can't go wrong. Juan is a class act. But we're going to miss you when you go do that computer packaging internship. Yeah. Package up some keyboards and some mouses, some yeah. mice. Some mice, couple printers. <laughs> hey, you know, you'll be missed. I'm sure you'll be I'm sure you'll be glued to that computer every Monday oh, night yeah. at seven PM. Oh yeah. Free time was on my side there in Boise, Idaho. So to check us out. All right, as the Big Ten winds down, before we get to our football schedule, I, I want to get your input on this. As awards start to be shelled out, Big Ten Coach of the Year, does Coach Tom Izzo deserve to be Big Ten Coach of the Year? Um, he makes a strong case. If you look at what was expected from him coming into the year, if you looked at how people declared the Spartans team as a rebuilding year and expected the worst, I've seen some predictions from the preseason go as far down as saying they were going to be 500, you know, at best for the for the year. So I think he took what he had and made the best of it. They're one of the best defensive teams in the nation this year, which is which is a, which is a standard of of a Tom Izzo program. They rebound. They play hard. So. I, Izzo's doing something right. If you could pull 21, 22 wins out of a team like this, I, I think you're, you're a solid candidate. Yeah, I went to the Izzo camp out earlier this uh, this fall when the Izzo members camped out, and there was even empty Izzo camp out sites, which from what I hear is rare yeah. at Michigan State. So not only nationally were Michigan, was Michigan State um, overlooked, but I even think within East Lansing, sorry to admit it, but um, – I think Izzo did a great job. He's uh, they're they're consistently rebounding. They're um, and for a freshman team, I mean a lot of them are freshmen. I think Neitzel and Namikert's two of the only couple of juniors uh, on the squad. Juniors. Is there any seniors on this team? Um, the walk-ons. Uh, current scholarship player Demarcus Ducree is a senior, and he will not be with the team next year. Although he does have. Um, eligibility left just because of the the tremendous class we have coming in with Darrell Summers, Kalen Lucas, and Chris Allen. Uh, a tremendous, a tremendous video of Chris Allen on the web. Um, you know we can't throw out any names, but um, I'm sure you can find it. Chris Allen, he's from Georgia. A tremendous video of this kid dunking in a game, unreal. I, I just can't wait till he's in a, in a Spartan jersey. But with those three guys coming in, um, obviously it, it hurts us that Namik, not not necessarily hurts us, but Namik's going to be around an extra year when this was supposed to be he and Shannon Brown's final season. Obviously Shannon's down in, in Cleveland doing his thing with the with the Cavaliers or lack thereof, you know, seeing a lot of bench time. But 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 that's the trade-off you get. We're going to talk NBA later in the hour. Uh, we don't talk much, but but some veteran names have come up about making a comeback to the NBA, and we have to quiet, quiet the fire a little bit about that. We're also going to talk a little football, just in case if you're just now joining us, this is the Spartan Sports Wrap on every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Alyssa DeHaan, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, the 6'9 Lady Spartan, doing her thing at the Breslin. Big game against Ohio State and Columbus, I really think, sealed it for her. Going up against All-American Jessica Davenport, really did her thing down there, scoring over 20 points. And averaging about 12 points, 8 boards, and five, 4 or 5 blocks a game as a freshman. Boy, you have to be thrilled with the with the future of both men's and women's basketball over at the Breslin Center. But back to the discussion of Big Ten Coach of the Year. I think with what they were given in the circumstance, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Matt Painter of Purdue as Big Ten Coach of the Year. Um, they don't have the most impressive record. They did hang a 30-point win on us down there in, what, West Lafayette? 18-10 mm-hmm. uh, and 10 so far on the season. Pretty much unbeatable at home despite the one loss. Um, but they do have a couple nice guys in Carl Landry, 
uh, experienced fifth-year senior down low. David Teague sat out all last year with a little little boo-booed up knee, but he's back, I think, as a fifth-year senior as well. So they, they should make some noise come Big Ten tournament time, but but you have to give it to him. With, with the circumstance he was given, yes, Tom Izzo has done a, a tremendous job, but uh, I think it'll, ultimately my, you know, my gut tells me to go to Matt Painter, uh, but I don't think Tom Izzo will get it. I, I think he deserves it, but but I don't think he will get it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a toss up for who they who they could give it to. It's no real runaway, you know, Big Ten coach who just absolutely outshine the rest. I mean, down in Ohio State, you know, they have that mass amount of talent. You know, they won most of the games just off based off talent, just based off talent, not so much coaching. So I don't know. It's a lot of things they could sit down and, and crunch and evaluate to try to determine who we're going to give coach of the year to. But every it's a lot of people who are like you said, you know deserving of it but moving forward from one big 10 coach to another mark d'antonio of michigan state football in his inaugural season somewhat of a cakewalk to kick off we're talking 2007 football schedule is just released um times and uh results not in yet but uh hopefully we can talk about who will win and we'll break down each game here we go kicking it off september 1st university of alabama birmingham i had to think about who is uab it, the the UAB Blazers are you kidding me? Uh, we open up though with three home games in East Lansing, which I think is um, symbolic of a new coach. Hopefully, <laughs> it helps that we have the three home games. Uh, UAB obviously a win, I'd say by at least two touchdowns. Please should be it should That's be a statement game. Get the confidence. You know, it's going to be a packed out stadium. A lot of people are going to be rejuvenated. The fact that we do have a new coach, so they're going to be there, and they expect a good, strong performance, and that's what you should get against UAB. Moving forward, next week, the 8th of September, Bowling Green, also in East Lansing. Um, also a win, I see, by, uh, I'd say, about 12 points. Not not so much two touchdowns. Bowling Green is a solid program down in the MAC, uh, But they, I think they'll give us a little bit of a game and an inexperienced a team that lacks chemistry, a new quarterback, a new coach. I think, uh, I think Bowling Green will give us a better game than people expect. Yeah, Bowling Green is a definitely a sleeper. They have a lot of talent down there. They're not as good as a team as as we are, you know, as personnel from a personnel standpoint. Um, it should be a good, you know, test for them early in the year. Get out there, actually run some plays at game speed, get real contact, and and that should be a second win in the pocket going towards the going towards the uh, progression of the season. Yeah, not only that, MAC teams are have gotten better over the years, and there's always usually a game where a MAC team might even upset maybe not the bigger teams, but the average or lower Big Ten football team. And honestly, that is where we stand as of right. today. Um, the next week, the 15th of September, some trouble comes to town. We did beat them last year, Pittsburgh, but they are well coached by Dave Wanestat, former Miami Dolphins coach, former Pittsburgh guy himself. But the Spartans, I think, will run into some trouble here. Because uh, you're going to have, although they lose uh, the the tough linebacker, HB Blades, HB Blades, and they lose an, a, a a decent quarterback. Um, I think that Pittsburgh is going to be salty, a term you know that means you know a little aggravated after Michigan State came in to their stadium and beat them last season. So I I see I see you chalk up Pittsburgh as a loss. Yeah, they're going there. You know they had a terrific recruiting class. The base of their offense is returning. They did you know lose their their quarterback. Uh, what's his name? Palco? Palco. Tyler Palco, yeah. Tyler Palco. They did lose Palco, so, you know, that is a, a, a loss. And HB Blaze was just a monster in the middle. So, you know, they're going to have a little bit of rebuilding on their hands as well. But the thing that they do have in their favor is the consistency of the program. Dave Wansett is a beautiful coach. He's he's proven winner. So I expect it to be a tough game if they do pull that off by very little. I think um, it should be a good game, like you said. But um, Pittsburgh does always give us a little bit of trouble. But I, I think if we go in there, we have the two victories at home. Usually with our crowd, everybody comes out when it's the nice weather and everything to support. But I think we'll we'll probably take a win depending on how we fare in the first two games. Yeah, it, it all depends. I mean, you want to see mass improvement from game one to game two and two, from game two to three. That That's a goal as a football coach. But heading into week four, we will definitely see some trouble. South Bend, Indiana, yes, the home of Notre Dame. So we travel to Notre Dame on the 22nd of September. Chalk that one up as a loss. It will not be one of those thrillers where we blow a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter. No, it will be it'll be business. I'll say it right now. Notre Dame goes ahead and beats us by two touchdowns at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too much speed, too much talent. Just I don't care if they lose Brady Quinn and Darius Walker. Yeah. They're going to give us business down there. 
Yeah, I, I say you know they've they've played a they played the game of the Michigan State Notre Dame thrillers long enough. They they get one at home, and I I say they they shine. Uh, we're not going to see Jason Teague sprinting uh, down right. the sidelines for the overtime victory. No, um, Elmitz a wrap, but we will see Charlie Weiss get slapped. No, no, <laughs> but uh, chalk that one up. Moving on, week number five at Wisconsin, a chalk up, possibly the third straight loss for the Spartans, which may put them below 500 in the month of September, which could be trouble. Um, Wisconsin, yes, they're losing some talent, but they were tremendous in the Big Ten last year. Tremendous freshman running back. He will now be a sophomore, but Wisconsin's going to give us business. Yeah, Wisconsin was the most underrated team in the whole nation, in my opinion, last year. You know, they never got any type of consideration for for you know national titles or anything like that. They played Michigan real close in a in a, in a tight game that didn't go their flavor their favor. Excuse me, due to a couple of plays, but they were a strong one loss team, and and they're going to be back with the same setup, the same coaching staff, basically the same personnel, and that's that's a win. PJ Hill was the name I was looking for. PJ Hill, tremendous freshman down there in Madison. Go ahead, John. Yeah, uh, for the first two games of the season, um, go see your bookie or whoever you make bets with because uh, that's the only time you're going to make money off this Michigan State Spartan team. Uh, these next three games that we just mentioned, those are really going to be the defining games for not only the season but to start the D'Antonio um, coaching regime. So, yeah, um, maybe Pittsburgh we might be able to win, but they'll have revenge on their mind. But uh, there will be no flag planning incident down in Notre Dame and Wisconsin, not this year. You know, John is not endorsing gambling in no no way whatsoever. <laughs> no way, that, shape, or form. That, that was a pun. You know, we're not telling you to go out and do anything. Um, you you live your life as what? you do it here. What are you talking about? Uh, move, moving forward. That's where I'm going to spring break, Vegas. September, October. We're looking at October here. October 6th, Northwestern. That's We're back home after a possible two-game losing streak on the road. Chalk it up. Uh, we will go 0-2 on our first road trip. Uh, Northwestern at the crib. Northwestern, if you don't remember, the largest comeback in NCAA history was Michigan State at Northwestern last season. When Just when I thought John L's job was safe, oh boy, was it not safe. But, you know, chalk it up. John L had one of the greatest comebacks in college football history, and I'm sure he's enjoying that cool, large amount of money that he is still being paid this year. You know, they should have had him still, you know, like teach a kinesiology class or, or something. something. You know, get some kind of redeemable How value not, out of Kinesiology it. 500, how not to coach football. <laughs> no, moving forward, Northwestern, obviously, uh, I, I'd say Northwestern's a W. It should be a W, but you you never know how emotions and, and swings and things like that get into it. You know, you go drop two on the road, possibly three, you know, with the counting the Pittsburgh as a loss. You never know how their confidence might fare, and they might actually come out sluggish against Northwestern and actually give that to them. So you never know. Next week, Indiana. I'd have to say Indiana is going to come in and take a win. I really like their running back. He's out of Detroit. I'm, tr- I'm trying to call his name right now, out of Detroit, Mumford. Uh, sl- running back slash wide receiver. Thigpen. Marcus Thigpen. Marcus I ran, Thigpen. I ran track against Marcus Thigpen. Well, I attempted to. Um, but he he was fast, very fast, and we saw that last year. I don't, I'm not sure if they lose that big receiver though. Uh, but obviously, Indiana, it, I think Indiana will give us some trouble down in East Lansing. It's going to be a rebuilding year. The team's going to be lacking chemistry. Who knows who's going to be healthy? We've had problems with Javon Ringer. Hopefully, AJ Jimerson can emerge this year, and, and hopefully, Brian Hoyer can stay healthy because we're we're looking at here what game one, two, three, four, five, six. Game seven into the season, uh, there's possibility for injury. And boy, if we lose Brian Hoyer, we're in some serious trouble. Who, Connor Dixon or John Van Dam from East Lansing High School coming into play? We're, we're in trouble if we if we lose your, your football boy, Brian Hoyer. Yeah, you might as well just run every play if Hoyer goes down. Hey, but Coach Antonio said they're going to be running the ball a little bit extra this year. But I do like – we're going we're gonna to get to that. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about who I like we'll as our star that. next year. Uh, um, Liberia. She's out of Liberia. I'll give you a little foreshadowing, a little, you know, Ju Colcrick. But moving on next week, Ohio State. See ya, Ohio. The Buckeyes. It's not even going to be a game. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and go to the next game. Uh, next game. No comment. Next game at Iowa. Uh, the highest paid coach in the Big Ten will give us a heck of a whooping. I'd say. Yeah, yeah I'd say they hang one on us as well. It's at Iowa. 
Yes, sir. Iowa City, Iowa. Oh, man. Uh, that's going to be nice. They get to see the nice pink locker rooms in Iowa, yeah. the famous pink locker rooms. That'll be good for this team. Hey, not to mention Cedric Everson. Uh, he was supposed to come here. He goes to Iowa. Yeah, yeah. fastest kid in the state. Runs a 4 four two nine forty. There you go. Yeah, he could have been tremendous in our secondary, but I'm sure he'll be exploiting us in Iowa City. Moving on versus Michigan. Michigan makes their return to East Lansing. Our senior year one. Michigan at the crib. Do we have a chance to beat the Wolverines? Am I going to be able to see it in my college tenure? I don't think you're going to see it. I don't think I'm going to get a chance to see it. You know, Henny's back. Hart's back. Uh, who else are we going to have? Mario Manningham. Yeah, Manningham's going to be the top wide out in the nation. I don't see, you know, anybody else being close to him with that, so. Car's back too, so yeah. I don't think get we're gonna get, get to see get it. Lloyd Carr. Lloyd what Lloyd Carr is is gonna have nothing to do with Michigan <laughs> success. If they're defensively successful, props to the man Ron English, Ron English. Yes. down down in Ann Arbor. But Lloyd Carr, his his neck was on the chopping block at the end of the season, and they just lost to USC. Are you kidding me? Next game, Purdue at Purdue. Once again, loss. a loss. I'm sorry, folks, but uh, I just don't see it happening. You know, this is all. This is all. You know, hypothetical. Hypotheticals. We don't. We haven't seen spring ball. We haven't seen players emerge. But then again, every time we see spring ball, oh, this guy is tremendous. This kid is tremendous. Nehemiah works the greatest thing since he's like, the Fred. best hitter. Yeah, yeah Nehemiah. Who? You know, we've got wide receivers just shedding him and going for six. The other, you know, give me a break. I want to see some guys play. I don't want to hear any talk. Out of spring ball about, oh, this, that, and the other. Come on, improve it on the field. I'm hoping that that secondary is improved because, boy, is that one of our weaknesses. Last game versus Penn State in East Lansing. Joe Pa returns for year 100. <laughs> Seems like more than 100. Yeah. I, I say that's a loss as well. I say by because that Penn, point. Because Penn State is, is playing so well and they're proving, you know, minus the loss of their tremendous linebackers, Paul Puzlesny. Uh, but Penn State is always going to be well coached regardless if Paterno calls all their plays or just is the figurehead of that program. You got it. Um, and Penn State could be battling for a Big Ten title as well. So they, they, this game is going to have significance to them. So um, hang, I don't know. I just see us ending the the, the the year on maybe one, two, five straight losses. So what, what, did, we, what did we come up with? Let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine losses. And what, two wins, two and nine? Ooh. But uh, this is this is the interesting thing about it though. We come up with three and nine. Three and nine. Three and eight, pardon me. Three and eight. Now this is the interesting thing about it. We come up with them at three and eight, you know, again, hypothetically speaking. But the thing about the Michigan State Spartans is they have enough talent on their personnel, player for player, to go undefeated in the entire conference. Like it's enough talent here, people at every position to pull it together and, and really go undefeated. That's just how talented the individual players are here. But the key is, of course, bringing it all together. So that's where we have stand left to see and the future will tell. Who's the star of this team next year? Um, I'm going to have to say, since D'Antonio is run first, pass second, I'm going to say J.U. Kokrick is going to get the brunt of the of the running game. Um. I know from watching previous games where he's coached, he likes to play more of a traditional set, which would be downhill running, not off-tackle sweeps that they've ran in the past. So you might see more I-formation, um, ace-back type sets. So I see him you know, possibly swinging uh, Dada Dwayne Holmes from tight end down to, to a fullback or something like that as a lead blocker and, and start punishing guys. I mean, you have the size up front and strength, with the offensive line, um, T.J. Williams should emerge as as the top wideout. Absolutely, Hoyer's proven in his limited playing time; he's consistent and accurate. You know, um, this would probably be you know his year to get his feet wet. Definitely get fully emerged in the program because you have to understand the hardest person that the a new coaching change falls upon is the quarterback. You get a whole new playbook, a whole new uh, cadence system. A whole new audible, uh, you know, system. So he's going to have to take time to get it, uh, accustomed to that setup. But I, I say uh, Kokrick and then TJ, and on the defensive side, I'm going to have to take Otis. Yes, sir. You know, Otis, For future NFL player Otis Wiley. Otis should be flying around, causing havoc. I don't, I don't know what position they're going to play him at. Uh, I just seen him a couple of days ago, and he looks bigger than ever. So I, I don't know if they're going to possibly bring him down as a 
as a you know a a, a Sam back a traditional Sam back a little smaller backer quicker backer a yeah. smaller quicker linebacker because he's a terrific tackler because they will be getting Ross Weaver back at, at one of the corners I think that really hurt them this year yes sir that that you know, what that ankle injury that, and, that and broken ankle ball. really really hurt them you got Ross out there at and when, six you, when two. you when you have a guy like Ross Weaver coming off an injury that is one player that is hungrier than ever right. to play well and now he's six two two twenty and he's still running a four two nine so. You know, that's going to be a big weapon we're going to get coming back to help out. So I see them faring well. You know, the defense is going to be, for the most part, set. Um, they, they had some years to jail with each other. The D-line should be strong, getting some strong recruits. Oh, oh Jem Nuwabo, we've had him on the show. They're talking about Dave's moving Justin going to be Kershaw. Back, right, so, I mean, the pieces are here. It's up to the players to pull it together. Absolutely. Moving forward, a little rapid fire with a few minutes left here on the show. Uh, NBA, Reggie Miller talking about making a, well, not Reggie, Mark Cuban talking about Reggie Miller making a comeback to the NBA, possibly the Dallas Mavericks. Do you see it happening? No, I don't see it happening. I think it's just Mark Cuban talking, being Mark Cuban. But Reggie Miller, uh, he could come back and help. I don't see why he couldn't. Uh, He could still shoot the tray ball. Everyone knows that. So it should work. Sticking with our tradition as Jason James steps in the studio as we continue with rapid fire. Todd Bertuzzi comes to Detroit. Yes. The thug himself, as I see it. Um, is this a good pickup for the Wings? Talk to me. Well, first let's applaud Kyle Calder's pickup. His first shift, less than five seconds in, first shot, he scores a goal last night for us. The one thing I don't like is the Wings were offered Jason Blake, and he scored three goals in one period last night for the Islanders. So we missed that one. But Bertuzzi, I haven't asked this before, like what is the thug doing on the team? First, I'll go on record saying I never hated them for it. I've been a hockey player my whole life. I may have done the same thing in the same instance. There is more risk in a quarterback getting sacked and getting hurt than that play had of him getting hurt. It was a fluke injury. Players jump players and fight all the time. He never had the intent of doing that. But, you know, they still had to punish him. He went off for 17 months. You know, he missed the playoffs. And some may say he got spiritual retribution as well by being injured, having back surgery, and everything else. But it's in the past. The hockey world isn't talking about it anymore. It's more the media world. With it in the past, and and as a player myself, you know, I'm okay with it now. But what he does bring is he brings that conversation point. Everybody remembers it, and when they go to the front of the net with him, they remember it. He's the intimidation factor. The Wings haven't had since Probert a kosher. Calder's also a big body. So two instant big bodies that bring intimidation. And, well, still, you know, his past will remind you of that. But that's what the Wings really need because they've gotten beaten up the last few years and, what, they haven't left the first round. So I'm not going to hate it. I'll tell you one thing. If he comes in and plays poorly and we go to the Cup, then we paid to have a price. The way that they did the trade, uh, we gave away a prospect for him. But every round that advances and how Perduzzi plays, the better he plays and the further we go, we start losing draft picks to the Panthers. Then if we re-sign him, we lose another draft pick. So if we win the cup off of this, it was worth it. If we don't win the cup or got close or if we re-sign him and he doesn't perform, then we paid too much. So who's the X Factor in the Red Wings making a solid run to the Stanley Cup this year? The X Factor is solidly on the goaltending. Hasek's been good all year. He has been a lot more you know, resistant to injury than we expected. Surprisingly, Osgood is the one that's been injured, but that's the key. If Hasek goes down in the playoffs, is Osgood good enough, and can he stay healthy? Um, I'd say also an X factor is going to be Datsuk. He hasn't scored a playoff goal in three years. Um, Zetterberg needs to help. These tough guys need to step up, intimidate, and score some junk goals. But it's going to be goaltending, and it's going to be the play of Datsuk. But I'll tell you, the Grand Rapids line, you know, Hoodler and Filippola, if they can stay fresh in the playoffs and, and help out, that'll be key as well. I got a question for you. With all the all the um, veterans that left this, the team, who's going to be that leader in the playoffs? You have a lot of leadership in there. Chris Draper has been in the league for 13 years now, and he's been with the Wings as you know a gritty blue-collar guy for a long time. Homer Holmstrom has you know some clout in that room. Lidstrom is a solid leader as well. Um, you know. I have to imagine that Osgood being back again and his history with winning the Cups, you know, that'll be in there. Malpe, there are a lot of Cup guys still there that have several rings. And I, I think that shows Zetterberg is a phenomenal leader for his age as well. Obviously leading the team in points a game, just over one one point a game. Yeah. Uh, Zetterberg doing the same. But a little a quick, you know, change of gears here in the last couple of minutes. Michigan State Hockey. Kind of backed, you know, kind of backing off a little bit here in the season. They, and there was one point in their season where they were undefeated in seven games, and then things seemed to fall apart after they tied Michigan at the Joe. 
Well, you know, that's just the story of all Michigan State sports right now, I guess. But if you look what happened to them last year, they had a really rough first half of the year. And they had a little more solid, you know, second half. This year, I thought the GLI play was okay. Um, Lurg's starting to come on more, and that's what we need. Lurg has to be solid. But let the team make it into the playoffs here and let the team, you know, get rolling when the time is right. Uh, you know, I think they have a defensive core that needs to evolve a little bit still. And, and Conley will go on record as saying that. But if they step up and play well defensively, I think the team has a shot to kind of go on a roll. You know, you're a hockey guy. Jason James in the house tonight. He's our special hockey analyst here on the Spartan Sports Rep. You follow the Red Wings. You follow the Spartans. Justin Abdelkader, drafted by the Red Wings, current Spartan. Uh, when do you see him in the red and white down in Joe Lewis? The Wings have a great, great farm team. They play well in Grand Rapids. Um, they have a history of grabbing guys like with a 300th pick and whatnot to come up. We also have a pretty solid defensive core right now. You may see him get a chance in a couple years to come up and, and play a few games, but he's going to have to be patient, I'd say, in their Wings defensive core. So he'll be a Spartan for at least another year, another season He's here. finishing his career here before he goes anywhere. It's very tough. Sidney Crosby is such an you know aberration. Yeah. Ovechkin is such an aberration. Um, I'd say... He's not as good as Michael Lyles was, and he got some action fairly quickly for Colorado. But in hockey, you really don't usually make an impact until you're you're 25 to 27. So it's going to take him some time. I'd say he finishes his career here, maybe gets assigned after that. All right, you have been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89. Jason James, special hockey analyst, joining us tonight, breaking down the Red Wings and the Spartans. We're here every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. The dial is 88.9 FM. If you don't have that and you're not within 30 miles of the Lansing area, how about you check us out online at www.impact89fm. And if you miss a show, why don't you check out our archives at the same website. Just check podcasts and click on the Spartan Sports Wrap archives. We thank you for joining us. Get in the basement with us every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. You have been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on WDBM East Lansing. Thanks for listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in next Monday at 7 p.m. for more commentary on your favorite teams. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.